Welcome to the Texas Oil and Gas Podcast, the show dedicated to bring you the news from the oil patch deep in the heart of Texas with your host, Ryan Ray and Josh Shelton. Welcome to the Texas Oil and Gas Podcast. We appreciate you tuning in to today's episode, episode 16. I'm your host, Josh Shelton. My friend and co-host, Ryan Ray. Ryan, how was the holidays, bud? Well, you know, Josh, some of us had to work last week on the podcast. Uh, we didn't get to go and travel the world like you did. But uh, beyond that, it was okay. Had a good had a good, uh, good Monday and Tuesday off, but I'm sure it wasn't like your trip to uh, Fiji or wherever it was you went. <laughs> Living the dream, man. Living the dream. Well, uh, we got a couple of interesting things uh, this week. Before we jump into them, I wanted to remind our listeners we have a couple of jobs posted at globalenergymedia.com slash jobs. We had 18 posted this morning. Again, that is globalenergymedia.com slash jobs. Ryan, and we have a couple. And hey, hey, a- yeah, hey, Josh, before you, before you do that, I know I was telling you offline here, and I can't say too much about it, but um, you know, if I know this is the Texas Oil and Gas Podcast, but there is a chance we are looking at a project in the Middle East, is really all I can say. And so if you're looking for some international travel, be sure to check out the website as we will be posting those jobs if they do come available. And um, you know, like I said, you, Josh, if we do get the project, we could be starting here as early as August. So if you're interested wow. in potentially leaving the States, uh, we haven't secured it yet but we're we're hoping to and hoping to find out maybe the next seven to 14 days so just uh, be sure to check the website for the updates absolutely absolutely that's uh, that's great yeah we uh need to get that get that posted and uh, if anybody's interested reach out to us uh you can hit ryan on twitter or uh just go to globalenergymedia.com slash contact and reach out yep to us yep. And, and one more, truck. and one more thing, Josh. I didn't mention this to you, but just so everybody knows, we are going to update the website, and so we're getting ready to change the format of the website, and uh, going to have more of a news feel. Um, we are bringing on some uh, contributors and some different things, and so the website will be changing, and the format will be changing. So, if you log on here in the next week or two, you might see something that looks completely different. Uh, don't worry; it's uh, still the same, still the same people, but the site will be uh, getting a, a makeover, if you will. Awesome! Awesome. Well, Ryan, jumping into, I think, I think the top story uh, for us to consider today is uh, from MarketWatch. OPEC can't save the oil market alone. The U.S. has to step in. Uh, it's an article by Morgan Stanley. Uh, there's a lot here, man, uh, with OPEC not making cuts quite as deep as we were anticipating. Uh, we've seen oil, oil prices drop and, uh, and rig counts have started to stagger in the last two weeks. There's a lot going on, man. Yeah, you know, Josh, um, I think the the first thing is uh, one of the things that the article points out. This is, um, as you mentioned, Market Watch, and they're, and they're getting this from a Morgan Stanley analyst. And he says, um, I think it was, a, a, I don't remember who the, Stanley, the, the analyst's name was, but it says, given current break-evens, and, and that's important because the break-even price changes. It fluctuates depending on what the market's doing. And so the current break-even, they're saying, is 46 to $50. Now, it's a, that's a little bit misleading because break-even is really a company-by-company thing. And so there's a lot that goes into that. And so um, these analysts, when they're saying, well, it's 46 to 50 okay, well, maybe that's kind of a general broad number. Um, but it, it will fluctuate. And so if the market goes down and the market you know does get into the high 30s and it stays there for a long time, well, eventually, you know, companies that like myself who are on the vendor side, we're going to have to lower our rates and we have to readjust how we do things, and everyone's going to have to shift. So, current break-even price they're saying is between forty-six and fifty. That's that's a good way to put it. It's, it's still a little bit misleading, but I, I see what he's saying there is, hey, if you just kind of took a, a wide swath, 
that would be going on. Um, but I think the interesting thing really is that they're saying that that, that maybe 150 rigs need to come offline uh, in the U.S. to balance out the market, and yep. that's a that's a big that's a big number, Josh. Yeah, that's a huge number. I mean, I, I was looking at that. He had an estimate 120 to 180 in order to balance the market. So I think he just hit it in the middle there at 150. Um, that would be uh, it's tough, man. That, that's a that's a tough projection if if that's what needs to happen. I mean, do you think companies will align with that and actually cut rigs by that amount in order to help these oil prices get back where they need to where they need to be? Well, I, I think you know one of the things that you're going to see here is you know the, the U.S. producers. You know they're going to adjust based upon you know profitability and what they kind of have their budget set for, and um, what we're seeing here is that, that some of the indicators are talking about that um, demand is outpacing supply. And this yeah, this is the article. It's towards the end of the article. You'll, you'll see there's a little talk of supply and demand yep. there, and yep. you know the supply was outpacing the demand. Um, at least for part of the year. And the question is, will that continue? And so I think, you know, when we had David Blackman on, um, was it two, three weeks ago now, one of the things he talked about was, you know, the supply and demand, you kind of see this roller coaster where, you know, the, the prices will go up and then the, the supply will, will will go up and then, the, you know, it will outpace the demand. And so we're kind of in that spot right now. And I don't really think that we really understand what's going to happen towards the end of this year. I, I've kind of read a lot of reports from people that I kind of trust and, it's kind of a mixed bag. Some people are saying that, yeah, this is going to be, you know, a rough uh, third and fourth quarter. And some people are a lot more optimistic. Now, the, this 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 analyst here, he's a little bit more of a of a bear than most. But um, and I, and I, and I have been bearish on the market, as you know, for most of the year. So, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see, Josh. I, I don't know if, if we're going to drop 150 rigs. Uh, that would be that would be you know uh, a pretty big shakeup in the market and. Uh, yeah, that that'd be tough to the industry, and just just as you know, for morale sake at least. Yeah, it would. It it would be. Uh, it would be pretty tough. I just looking at it, seeing it drop by 150 rigs. I, I don't anticipate that happening. And I, some of the stuff, you know, the supply and demand that some of the information and statistics seem to com- conflict with one another because. If if the supply or if the demand was outpacing the supply, that would indicate that the prices would be going up, right? Right. And if so, what I'm seeing is, I, I guess I can see for a short term that the d- demand is outpacing the supply, and that's cutting into the supply and getting it back to, I guess, healthy supplies. Right now, we have a lot, way too much, way right. too much. So, um, I guess the demand needs to outpace the supply for a year in order to get everything back on track would that be well yeah if you remember remember early on the year josh one of our first couple shows one of the things was um i think it was opec was you know we we were seeing the supply go up and and analysts were kind of looking at it going well this is opec oil that was coming to the market that 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 was drilled you know three four months prior to that so you kind of have this lag where um you know the oil that's being drilled around the world when it, it by the time it gets to supply is a little bit later than when the demand's going on so you know the demand for the second quarter could be higher than the supply for that period, but the but the supply um, comes on, uh, you know, two, three, four months later. So you, you, you can kind of see where it can it can look a little bit weird, like you're saying. So you go, okay, well, the second quarter, the demand outpaces supply, right? Well, then all the supply catches up to it um, because it's finally getting to the supply area, I meaning to the storage area. Well, uh, before we move on, Ryan, there's one interesting thing uh, in the article about the rig counts. You know, going back 24 weeks, there have been consistently uh, gains each week in the rig count. Uh, So last week was the first decline in rig counts that we've seen in months. 
Uh, and then this week, as you're going to hear at the end of the show, we, there was another decline in rig count. So it seems that the rig counts are, are finally starting to uh, to decrease. And it's kind of what he's saying in this article needs to happen in order for the supply demand to counterbalance and for the prices to restabilize. Um, but other than that, I think I think the, the gist of the article is is basically we got to stop drilling for a little while so that the prices can can stabilize. And it's not just OPEC that has to do it. The U.S. needs to come alongside and do it, too, so that by maybe mid-2018, the prices can be back where they need to be so that we can get everything back on track. Yeah, it's going to, you know, uh, I, know, I know you say quit drilling. You mean, I know what you mean. You mean slow down drilling, obviously. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, but and that's going to be really the thing is, you know, how quick do the rigs fall off, you know? And, and then we talked earlier about the kind of the lag in the market there. So how quick do they fall off? If, if, if 150 rigs, we come on next Friday and 150 rigs have fallen off the map, well, you know, we're going to see a pretty, you know, um, from an investor standpoint, they're going to be really excited. They're going to be looking forward to the, you know, they're going to say, okay, this is what we want. Um, the, 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 the supply demand issue is going to balance out. Um, and so that's going to be the question is, is how fast do these rigs fall off? When does all that catch up? And, and that's what no one really knows. And that's why when you hear these predictions, it's really hard to figure out, you know, what's going on because, you know, you don't know how many rigs are going to fall off in the next uh, two, three, four, five months. You can kind of guess. Um, but if, if more rigs fall off than you anticipated, well, that changes your projections. And mm-hmm. if not as many rigs fall off, well, then that changes your projections too. And so, you know, it's kind of one of those things where we're just sitting here going, okay, how many rigs will actually fall off? We know it has to level off. We know it has to stop or the or oil will just continue to go, um, you know, the, 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 uh, the price will continue to plummet and eventually they'll fall off. So we know they're going to level off and they've fallen off a little bit and then we know they're going to fall off some more. It's just how fast does that happen? And then when that happens, then where are we at in the market, right? How much supply do we have and how fast is that depleted? And those, it's just, it's just hard, you know, it's just hard. You, you watch these guys who seriously do it every day, all day for a living. They have staff of researchers and, and they don't know because no one's, you know, you're, you're, you're reading press releases and you're looking for this information and you're looking for these indicators and you're just trying to make a prediction uh, prediction off of historical data and modeling and so it's extremely complicated and i don't i don't envy those guys and um it's it's, it's a hard thing to do yeah yeah well uh i think uh mentioning some of those stats we're going to have a, a link to some show notes uh where some people at epi had some projections of uh, natural gas production and they were just they were way off so sometimes there's just too many factors to be able to nail it down. Uh, right, right. Yeah, you talk, uh, the the EIA, the EIA. I think who it was that one. Sorry, Josh. Yeah, yeah, EIA. Yeah. But yeah, if you go look at that, we'll link that in the show notes, and you'll see that they had, the EIA. They do good work. I I share a lot of their stuff. They do a lot of good work, and uh, but you can see they had some projections in there. We're not picking on them. They just had projections. They were wrong, and you can just see. Uh, folks like that who have a full-time staff and that's all they do they have all the data in the world and they get it wrong because it's 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 just hard to figure out what people are going to do you know and um you're kind of reading the reading the releases and trying to make predictions and it's tough and so uh you know not, no, no shame in it everybody's doing their best and it's just a hard thing to do well ron moving to uh to the next article uh we have one from the new york times uh the title of the article is oil exports illegal for decades now fuel a texas port boom uh, so the crew from West Texas shale fields is increasingly making its way abroad as a pipeline system is expanding to to market to Corpus Christi. So Corpus Christi's kind of been a, a hot topic uh, over the last, I'd say, month and a half or so. Um, so it seems like uh, we we have some some moves being made here. I know uh, we had Sergi on um, a little while, maybe it was about five or six weeks ago. He mentioned some of the tankers and moves being made as they ship uh, oil. Uh, ship um but pretty interesting stuff uh just looking through the articles 
several things that that were interesting. I know they have one ship on here that's uh, I believe it's called Ann that can that can uh, hold up to two million bar- barrels of oil. Uh, right now, it's at Oxy's uh, one year old export terminal. Uh, so lots of lots of stuff here, Ryan. Is there what, what were some of the takeaways you had in the article? Well, I think the first thing that I saw is. Um... You know, the, the exports have grown to 1.3 million barrels a day. That's, according to the article, about 15% of domestic production. And so, you know, if you're interested in, um, and we've touched on this some uh, before on the show, but if you're interested in how does the global oil, oil, oil economy work, and there's and what I mean by that is there's certain types of oil from certain parts of the world. We all know that. And then, well, there's only certain refineries that can only refine certain oil. And part of that is because this, this Stuff like this is banned. Who banned on export that the U.S. had? It kind of changed how the market would have naturally developed, and so you can kind of read the article and see, you know, where some of the sweet oil is being used for some of the heavy oil and how they're blending it together and where it's going. Um, and I don't really. This is one of those things where we've seen the impact already. Um, I talked to a guy earlier this year about China and how they're handling the oil, and, and some of this oil is going to China. Um, and he said that China is stockpiling oil, and so you, you sit back and you go, okay, well. If China is stockpiling oil, how does that, you know, how much are they stockpiling? How much are they buying? Um, you know, and how much from the U.S., obviously. You start you, you start looking at this. So I think the article does a good job, at least for um, just kind of a 30,000-foot level going, okay, this is kind of how the oil market works on a global level. You know, you buy it from here, and you buy it from here, and you mix it here, and, and, you, and then you sell it over here. So that was quite interesting. I didn't realize we were already exporting, you know, 1.3 million barrels a day, which is a good sign. We, you know, we want to be in the global business. Oil is a global business, international business, you know, so we want to be able to sell our product to wherever we are. Um, and there's a lot of reasons for that. And the, and the first one is um, not, you know, we, we hear about energy, energy independence. Well, that's true. We want that from that. We want to be able to be energy independent, but we also want to be able to sell oil to, com- to countries. And think about it like this, Josh. Um, one of the biggest complaints about our government is we always bow down to the Saudis. Well, that's because we've historically had to buy oil from them, right? Well, now with the show revolution, you know, that, that dynamic has changed. And we don't buy probably as much oil as people think from them, but still the dynamic has changed. And if the U.S. all of a sudden can sell oil to countries, um, well, that makes them want to be our partner and our ally. And so all of a sudden you have people who are wanting to align with the U.S. just from a, just from a standpoint of, hey, you know, we want to buy the U.S.'s oil and you know, the U.S. companies are selling to me. Well, therefore, they're going to be more likely to fall in line with our ideals and our practices and, you know, to be more free market, which is good for everyone. Um, so I think this this from a standpoint of we're exporting oil to two nations. We can kind of pull back on some of those terrorist terrorist regimes that want to be in the oil market, and we can compete with them, which means we can bring freedom to other nations by selling them oil. And that's one thing we we kind of lose in this debate is um, you know that, that that us selling oil on the open market is good because it's better for us to sell it than you know somewhere like Qatar where there's there's you know, all this talk about how much are they using their money to fund terrorists and stuff like that. So that's that was kind of the first thing was is hey. This is good. This is a positive thing. And also, if you're from Texas, you know, this is Texas oil being sold around the world. And so that's good for our economy, too. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think that's a very important point you make there, Ryan, is that a lot of people would prefer to do business uh, with with American companies over Middle Eastern. It, you know, assuming the price is the same, if you're going to buy from one or the other, uh, a lot of people would prefer that. And you're mentioning here in the article, it says that the European countries um, are looking to specifically uh, start buying American exports to reduce their dependence of oil from on Russia and, and Africa. So they're trying to do that. And, uh, and then they're trying to get out of Libya and Nigeria and uh, very specifically those two countries and, and start buying more, more American exports. 
Right. So, well, well, think about it like this, Josh. If if you're over there in Europe and um, you know, you, your oil, you're getting up, you know, a, a large percentage or a decent percentage of your your oil from uh, Russia. Well, it's kind of hard to be too too hard on what they're doing because they can turn your lights out literally, literally overnight. You know, they just quit sending you oil, and and so, um, you know, Russia's a state owned deal, so it's not like it's a free market. Um, they can just turn your power off, and then all of a sudden you're scrambling to get oil from somewhere else, and so, um, removing that ability for where you know regimes that are hostile to other nations, not not just the U.S., but other nations. You know, so you got Russia, who's always meddling in international affairs. Okay, well, now if you're someone, if you're a country in Europe, you can say, okay, I'll buy from the U.S. or I'll buy from somewhere else, and I don't have to worry about them meddling with my stuff. And then I can look at Russia and say, hey, Russia, you, you can't do this. So yeah, it puts a lot. It changes the geopolitical landscape in a lot of ways. In in a lot of cases that we probably don't even think about, you know, because. You know, we don't talk about that on the show, but it's it's going to have a huge impact, especially as this goes further and further. And one more point, you know, oil is, is a little bit different than LNG, but these LNG contracts you look at, they're long contracts. And so um, LNG contracts where you're, you're setting up deals, well, that can change the geopolitical landscape for a long period of time if if countries are buying their LNG from the U.S. Yeah, that's true. Well, um, you know, that – a lot of stuff here. We need to, we need to, well, this will be linked in the show notes. There's several other things that the article mentions. We're not going to go too much into detail, um, but some interesting stuff there. To, if you want to go take a look at it, we have one more article uh, that's pretty interesting. A company, Apache, announces a strategic exit from Canada. Uh, this is actually on uh, globalenergymedia.com. Uh, it was uh, uh, a news release that came out where Apache is trying to, I guess, liquidate some of their, some of their capital in Canada. I believe it's, they said they were putting about 125 million per year into, uh, into their Canadian uh, business or in the Canadian uh, oil. And they're, they're wanting to take that money and start putting it into uh, areas like Permian, the Permian and the Eagleford and uh, some of the, some of these, you know, Texas shale. Yeah, you know, it's uh it's one of those deals where we talked about Apache a few weeks ago and they're you know, they're one of those companies that everyone wants to work for and they're very smart. They know what they're doing. Um and so this is yeah, this is a press release from Apache. You can go read it at globalenergymedia.com dot com or anywhere on the internet really. Um but you know the, the the takeaway here, Josh, is if you if you've been trying to get in with Apache here in Texas and you're like, Oh man, we can't get in, we can't get in. Well, there might be a little hope that they, that they might be expanding their budget because they just unloaded their Canadian assets and they're gonna have cash on hand to come and work in in um, in Texas. Now, obviously, you know the oil prices will play a factor into that. But regardless of um, of w- whatever financial shape Apache was in, maybe a little bit maybe a little bit tight with some of the Canadian assets. Those are unloaded now, and so they are going to focus on the Permian. They're going to focus in some other areas too uh, across the U.S. But um, but uh, yeah, so it's exciting if you're in Texas and you're trying to get in, or if you're working for Apache, they're going to have more cash on hand to do to do more things here in Texas. Yeah, I was uh, looking at some of the uh, some of the you know, has a, a comment here about Apache. They uh, they operate in United States, Canada, Egypt, and the United Kingdom. So they have they have stuff all over the place. Man. Right? They're yeah, pretty big. pretty big company. And uh, yeah, they're like like we said, they're trying to I guess you know free up some capital so they can make more moves in uh, in some of these Texas markets. Uh, among some others, they're they're they mentioned a few other areas they're going to be looking to. Uh, to upscale and 
do some do some growth. Yeah, and, and real quick, Josh. So let me just make a comment here. Now, Apache is a big player, but let's just use this as a case example. If you were writing this article for uh, Market Watch and you were the J.P. Morgan Stanley analyst, okay, and you're you're going, okay, here's what we know about Apache, and I, and I don't know if if I don't have the timeline on when the if the analyst knew about Apache or not. So I'm just just making a hypothetical here, but you can see what I'm going. You're saying, okay, this is what I think. This is what Apache's planning on doing. This is what you know Exxon's planning on doing. This is what Oxy's planning on doing. And then all of a sudden, they sell their assets here, and you go, oh well, hold on, I wasn't, I wasn't expecting that. And so now I got to figure out, well, Paramount Resources that bought this in Canada, what, what, what kind of capital do they have, and what's their rig program going to be like? And so you can just see the dynamics of the market, you know, just shift. And you know, this isn't enough to affect the oil price on any significant level, but there's so many things that are going on. That it's 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 very hard, and so this kind of we talked about this earlier about why it's so hard to understand where the price will be and what what the rig count will be and all of this stuff. Well, there's all these factors that are constantly moving, and you know tomorrow an, an announcement might come out that changes all of this. And so um, this is just one of those things that you know a couple of things. One, we always like to give a, a business development lead. Well, here here it is for Apache, but two, just to kind of um, you know think about it from this standpoint. If you're looking at these analysts, going, God, why are you guys struggling so much? Well. The, the market's always shifting. It's always changing. So how Paramount uh, is going to drill in Canada may be completely or, – uh, or I'm sorry, how Apache was going to drill in the Permian may change now just because of the fact that they unload these Canadian assets. And if you didn't have that built into your model, well, you know, you might be adding on 5, 10, 15 more rigs or whatever Apache is going to look to do, and you didn't expect that. And so that could, that could completely change uh, how you had projected you know, the prices towards the end of the year. Yep. Yeah, that's uh, that's true. I mean, there's just some some things you can't anticipate. Uh, there are unforeseen factors that are going to come up, and so uh, got to give, got to bear with some of these uh, some of these guys. Like you said, they do a lot of good work. Uh, I mean, they're they're right a lot a lot of times, but sometimes things come up. There's just no way for us to to anticipate that they're going to drastically affect the numbers and outcomes and where oil prices end up. Well, we like talking about OPEC because OPEC puts out numbers on what they're going to drill. And so you can take, you know, okay, here's 12 nations and here's what their production is going to be. Okay, well, that's not how it is in the U.S., right? Because the U.S., you've got all these companies, some publicly traded, some privately owned, and they're all doing their own thing. And so you don't, you don't, you just can't make the same type of understanding of what's going to be produced because, uh, well, first off, the well types are different. You know, we're, we're a lot of horizontal fracking wells, and they got more conventional stuff. But, but secondly, you know, OPEC says that we're going to produce this much type of oil. Now, whether that's true or not, that's a whole different discussion. But at least you could say we anticipate OPEC to do this. Whereas in the Permian, you're going, okay, well, this company's buying this, this company's selling that, this company's adding rigs, this, you know, it's just it's just a constant fluid thing. So yeah, it's it's uh, I feel for them. Well, uh, well, Ryan, I think we're approaching the end here. Uh, I was about to jump into the rig count. Is there anything we wanted to to finish cap off this uh, this article here? You know, Josh, uh, the only thing I want to say is for our listeners, first off, thank you for tuning in. We've been doing this for almost, what, half a year now, Josh, something like that. It's... uh it's getting up there. I think we're on episode sixteen, and so we've uh, almost getting close to the halfway point of the year. So first off, thanks for for tuning in and bearing with us. We we really appreciate it. Um, but the second thing is, you know, I, I just want to kind of throw this out there. We we talk um, a lot about you know uh, the market going up, the market going down, and I know that there's a lot of people just from talking to folks in the industry right now that are kind of nervous, going, "Oh my goodness, how bad could it get?" And I guess I just want to kind of encourage everyone to say, you know, in the oil and gas market, it is going to go up, it is going to go down, but we need to we need to kind of be focused on making sure that we are putting ourselves in the best position. 
to go through the downturn. And so how do we do that? One, we're networking. We're staying in touch with people who are in the know um, at different companies to kind of hear what's going on. But two, and this is what gets lost a lot of the times, is we want to make ourselves as valuable as humanly possible to our current employer. And I know in today's market, you know, we, we see a lot about, um, you know, what's my job description? I want to do my job description, and don't ask me to get outside of that. Well, in, in the oil and gas economy right now, especially if it does kind of go worse than what we're thinking, um, being an asset to your company is the best way to create stability for you and your family. So I just want to encourage people, you know, make sure you're networking and be an asset where you're at. Even if you do get laid off and you are an asset, guess what? That company will give you a good recommendation when you go put in a job uh, for a job somewhere else. So just just want to encourage folks, don't don't be too doom and gloom. You know, we're talking about all this, all this economy going up and down, up and down. But, you know, make sure you're networking and be an asset to where you're where you're at. Yeah, that's great, man. That's great. I, I'm, I can feel, uh, I can definitely feel the tension in the market, you know, ties to talk with folks and, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's tough. It's great advice. Well, um, uh, moving to the, the rig count, we, we, like I mentioned earlier, uh, in the first article, the, the rig count dropped for the first time in 24 weeks, uh, last week, and it is down by a single rig by one rig. It, it dropped again this week. Uh, not nothing major, you know, it's just a, uh, just a single rig. Uh, so we're down to 940 uh, in the country. Texas is at 461. Uh, the Permian is at 370. Uh, if my memory serves me, I believe we were at 372 uh, two weeks ago. Um, and then the Eagleford is at 84, which I think is the same. Um, so uh, there's your, there's your rig count from the, from the Baker Hughes. Uh, Ryan, any, any events, anything we want to, we want to, remind folks of before we yeah um we will have some events that i will be linking to at globalenergymedia.com here in the next week or two um we're working on going on the road and uh, i think i got a conference in san antonio i'm going to do um also we had the folks on from talk texas oil last week and so if you're gonna be in abilene on uh the 19th of july i'll be out there at the e3 summit would love to meet with you there also um the jackie daly show and some others will be out there so that that'll be a good event and so uh yeah we got we got a lot a lot going on, Josh, and uh, some events. Hopefully, we'll have a updated web part of the website. That's one thing we want to do is put out you know where the events are, where people could find them, and how they can register, and you know get people at information because uh, you know tracking down all that stuff can be a pain. And so uh, we'd like to put that in at least a centralized location on our website. Yeah. Yep. All right, man. Well, I think that's uh, I think that wraps it up for us. Well, Josh, it was good for you to join us again this Friday. Um, you know, I, maybe maybe we can get you on back to back weeks here next Friday. That that would be nice um, <laughs> to kind of get you as a regular on. We we appreciate you coming on the show today as a contributor. Uh, it was good to see you back. And uh, to our listeners, uh, thanks again for tuning in. And until next time, keep climbing. <laughs>